Book Ten, Chapter Three, of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Ortsy. Book Ten. Needs must. Chapter Three. A couple of hours later, when the two children had had their dinner, and had settled down to play in the garden, and father had been cosily tucked up for his afternoon sleep, Lucille called her brother Etienne to her. The boy had not spoken to her since that terrible time spent in the presence of those two awful men. He had eaten no dinner, only sat glowering, staring straight out before him, from time to time throwing a look of burning reproach upon his sister. Now, when she called to him, he tried to run away, was halfway up the stairs before she could seize hold of him. Etienne, mon petit, she implored as her arms closed around his shrinking figure. Let me go, Lucille, the boy pleaded obstinately. Mon petit, listen to me, she pleaded. All is not lost if you will stand by me. All is lost, Lucille, Etienne cried, striving to keep back a flood of passionate tears. Honor is lost. Your treachery has disgraced us all. If Monsieur le Marquis and Monsieur le Vicomte are brought to the guillotine, their blood will be upon our heads. Upon mine alone, my little Etienne, she said sadly, but God alone can judge me. It was a terrible alternative. Monsieur le Marquis, or you, and Valentine, and little Josephine, and poor father, who is so helpless. But don't let us talk of it. All is not lost, I am sure. The last time that I spoke with Monsieur le Marquis, it was in February. Do you remember? He was full of hope, and oh, so kind. Well, he told me then that if ever I or any of us here were in such grave trouble that we did not know where to turn, one of us was to put on our very oldest clothes, look as like a barefooted beggar as we could, and then go to Paris to a place called the Cabaret de la Liberté in the Rue Christine. There we were to ask for the citizen Rateau, and we were to tell him all our troubles, whatever they might be. Well, we are in such trouble now, mon petit, that we don't know where to turn. Put on thy very oldest clothes, little one, and run barefooted into Paris. Find the citizen Rateau, and tell him just what has happened. The letter which they have forced me to write, the threats which they held over me if I did not write it, everything. Dost hear? Already the boy's eyes were glowing. The thought that he individually could do something to retrieve the awful shame of his sister's treachery spurred him to activity. It needed no persuasion on Lucille's part to induce him to go. She made him put on some old clothes and stuffed a piece of bread and cheese into his breeches pocket. It was close upon a couple of leagues to Paris but that run was one of the happiest which Etienne had ever made, and he did it barefooted, too, feeling neither fatigue nor soreness, despite the hardness of the road after two weeks' drought, which had turned mud into hard cakes and ruts into fissures, which tore the lad's feet till they bled. He did not reach the Cabaret de la Liberté till nightfall, and when he got there he hardly dared to enter. The filth, the squalor, the hoarse voices which rose from that cellar-like place below the level of the street repelled the country-bred lad, 
were it not for the desperate urgency of his errand, he never would have dared to enter. As it was, the fumes of alcohol and steaming dirty clothes nearly choked him, and he could scarce stammer the name of Citizen Rateau when a gruff voice presently demanded his purpose. He realized now how tired he was and how hungry. He had not thought to pause in order to consume the small provision of bread and cheese wherewith thoughtful Lucille had provided him. Now he was ready to faint when a loud guffaw, which echoed from one end of the horrible place to the other, greeted his timid request. Citizen Rateau, the same gruff voice called out hilariously. Why, there he is. Here, citizen, there's a blooming aristo to see you. Etienne turned his weary eyes to the corner which was being indicated to him. There he saw a huge creature sprawling across a bench, with long powerful limbs stretched out before him. Citizen Rateau was clothed, rather than dressed, in a soiled shirt, ragged breeches, and tattered stockings, with shoes down at heel and faded crimson cap. His face looked congested and sunken about the eyes. He appeared to be asleep, for stertorous breathing came at intervals from between his parted lips, whilst every now and then a racking cough seemed to tear at his broad chest. Etienne gave him one look, shuddering with horror, despite himself, at the aspect of this bloated wretch from whom salvation was to come. The whole place seemed to him hideous and loathsome in the extreme. What it all meant he could not understand. All that he knew was that this seemed like another hideous trap into which he and Lucille had fallen, and that he must fly from it, fly at all costs, before he betrayed Monsieur le Marquis still further to these drink-sodden brutes. Another moment, and he feared that he might faint. The din of a bibulous song rang in his ears. The reek of alcohol turned him giddy and sick. He had only just enough strength to turn and totter back into the open. There, his senses reeled. The lights in the houses opposite began to dance wildly before his eyes, after which he remembered nothing more. End of Book Ten, Chapter Three